Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester's CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. Along with my co host, analyst Diana Lawfer, my name is Sam Stern. You will hear both of our voices each week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Forrester's CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined as always by my co host, Diana Laufer. Hi, everyone. And this week we have a returning guest, uh, Principal Analyst Leah Buley out of our San Francisco office. Hello, Leah. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. And uh, of course, always. And uh, this week we wanted to talk to you about your um, new report, Service Design Agency Overview. 2015, and uh, looks like it's collaboration with a few of uh, a few of your colleagues on, on other research teams at Forrester. And I think you were you were telling us uh, the other day that there's a lot of research, a lot of data collection involved in this. And, and so maybe just at the top, if you could give us a lay of the land, what did you learn in this report about uh, service design agencies in 2015? Yeah, great. Um, so, yes, it's definitely a pretty data-intensive uh, report. What we do just from a process perspective is we basically send out a call to agencies who um, have or sort of state claim that they have service design offerings. And uh, so we'll, we send them a survey, and the survey asks them things like um, what are the channels you design for, what are the capabilities that you have, what are the industries that you serve, um, and, and how many service design employees do you have. Uh, so we got uh, 71 firms who responded to that um, to that survey. Uh, this, uh, this report, I should say, is actually an update from a report that we did back in 2013. So in the past, we followed a similar methodology. Mm-hmm. We surveyed firms, we uh, got back the data, and then we shared out essentially what um, what uh, kind of characterizes service design firms and how you can think of them differently. Uh, so when we did this in 2013, what we found was basically you can almost think about service design firms from a geographic perspective. There's a ton of them in Europe, particularly northern Europe, yep. and a smaller set of uh, providers in uh, North America, Asia, and South America. So that the, was true the, in 2013. Uh, in 2013, the, yeah. it would have been true to say that the stereotype of a service designer as a uh, tall, skinny, Nordic-looking person <laughs> with, with great frames was actually accurate? Yeah, I, I would never say that because that seems, uh, that seems uh, I don't know, risky at best. But, yeah, I think that you could, if you had to do gross generalizations, that would have been fair to say in 2013. And for the record, it was, uh, it was Sam making that gross generalization on, <laughs> and not Leah. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Um, so, yeah, so we basically ran, we, we did the survey again for 2015, and the profile has changed quite a bit is what we found. So um, what we did with our 2015 data is we ran it against some statistical analysis models. We did a, a method called factor analysis, which basically what it does is it says uh, it enables you to look at um, specific variables from the data set and, and identify where there are some variables that cluster together more tightly than uh-huh. others. Um, so through this analysis, what we saw was that basically there are five Factors, or you could think of them as sort of patterns in the data that are evident uh, from the survey respondents. And uh, when we looked at what those patterns were, what was really fascinating was that, in a sense, it described the different flavors of service design that firms are, are doing. 
so um, the five the five factors or the five patterns. One was basically um, a, a way to like identified firms who, who who do a collection of activities that together sort of look like uh, kind of fuzzy front end innovation work. Um, so hmm. the specific activities that they did were a lot of um, qualitative research, a lot of concepting and ideation, uh, and and then sort of putting together sort of vision artifacts. So these kind of innovator focused uh, agencies. Yeah, Yeah, can you name uh, one of the companies in that um, grouping just to give us a sense for who we're talking about, who to think about? Yeah, yeah, in the fuzzy front-end innovator category. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so uh, let's see. I'm rifling through my my printouts here just to see kind of who who best fits that that profile. Um, So... Uh, there's one in the U.S. actually called Gravity Tank. They're based in Chicago, who sort of matches that profile. Uh, in um, uh, a, uh, let's see, uh, Accenture Interactive actually, their Ireland mm. group matches that profile. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, let's see, who are some other interesting ones who match that profile? Um, there is a uh, kind of a technical consultancy that they're really known for their sort of technical capabilities. They're called EPAM. Um, they were originally founded in Eastern Europe. They recently acquired a service design agency called Good Fridays, and they now match that profile through their their growth and um, service design kind of offerings. So you get a sense that it's actually it's a it's a it's a real grab bag of folks yeah. who, who sort of right. match that. Um, now, and that's true actually of the other uh, factors as well. Now to say they match that profile doesn't mean they also doesn't mean they don't have other capabilities, right? Yeah, well, so let me talk you through the different patterns because I think they, they tell an interesting story. So there's your fuzzy front-end innovators. There's another pattern in the data of uh, service design providers who do sort of physical and face-to-face service design. So they design uh, physical environments. They design uh, employee or associate-to-customer interactions. Mm-hmm. They also tend to design for the call, call center channel more frequently. Yeah. Um, there's another pattern in the data of firms who do more like digital experience design. Uh, so they'll do more web, more mobile, more tablet. They'll do more sort of um, experience design requirements work uh, and detailed design work. Um, there's another pattern, uh, pattern number four, the, of firms who do more like organizational change sort of transformation consulting. So they do more training and, and uh, kind of consulting around uh, sort of you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. And then there's a fifth pattern is um, providers who do kind of business systems consulting. So think about the big IT systems that, that run your organization. Organization. Um, now, the thing about the patterns, the, the most important thing to know is they're not mutually exclusive. So some service design agencies do just one or two, and then some do actually all four or all five. And that's what makes it really interesting is to see that there's, um, when you compare sort of, uh, you know, one uh, provider against another, you may be looking at somebody who has truly deep expertise, say, in designing for, you know, a, a, a face-to-face interaction uh, with, a, with, a, with a customer versus another agency that does kind of, the, you know, the whole, the whole story. They'll do your organizational change, they'll design physical and face-to-face, and they'll help you figure out your business system to support it. So when I think of traditional service design, I think about those face-to-face interactions or call center interactions, not necessarily digital design. So is there a sense that these types of agencies are converging or that one are trying to bolster the capabilities in, in the other area? 
Yeah. So, I mean, what fascinating thing is that the digital design pattern is actually the most common pattern across all of the respondents. So even when you find folks who, you know, maybe more traditionally were were focused on physical and face-to-face design, now this digital pattern is cropping up as well. So um, it's, I think, no longer um, safe to say that service design is non-digital and, and there's you know another category that's digital. I think the reality is those those fields are con- converging, and actually what we see is also that you know they're converging with management consulting and they're converging with organizational change. And so it's just I think becoming a um, m- more of a full service provider model, uh, both in the service design field and then in the related in the adjacent fields that are kind of coming closer to service design. I guess I'm skeptical then of why it's still meaningful to refer to this as service design or, or these are service mm-hmm. design providers or agencies. Why, why do you think that's still a meaningful or useful term for this yeah. set of companies? It's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's, a, there's a reasonable argument there, actually, that by continuing to call it service design, it sort of perpetuates confusion about uh, its relationship to other forms of design. But that said, I do think that from the the sort of classic service design field, there are um, a set of practices and there is a general point of view that is very um, clarifying when you have to do this kind of work. Uh, The service design community is sort of most articulate uh, compared to other, (laughs) other design disciplines and even management consulting disciplines about the the relationship between a front-of-house uh, kind of experience for a customer and the back-of-house systems that have to be effectively orchestrated for that to be successful. So if you if you bring in somebody who's sort of classically trained in service design, they're, um, it's guaranteed they're going to take a kind of journey analysis point of view. They're, they're not just going to look at what the customer experiences, but they're also going to map out that back-of-house and the set of interactions that, that – um, make for an effective handoff between, you know, employees at the line of sight versus employees in back supporting systems. And um, and then service design professionals, you know, they they have a, a sort of a toolkit of interesting prototyping methods and uh and uh design methods that sort of by their very uh, approach uh tend to think beyond the channel. So they're really always kind of starting with, like, what is the what is the full kind of end-to-end experience? And then they'll get their clients, you know, doing physical prototyping or um, making, uh, uh, doing, uh, you know, charrettes or, or sort of acting out a, a service experience, doing all these um, uh, maybe less standard, but I think really important ways of getting people to think about how you can actually truly design and orchestrate an experience that has physical components, human components, digital components, and, and all the rest. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Leo, it's something I've always wondered and um, was asked by a client last week and had a um, less than uh, adequate answer, to be honest, for them, was is why has service design sort of historically been so much bigger um, in Europe, particularly, as you said, in Northern Europe? Why is that where this discipline sort of starts? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, well, the sort of basic answer is that that's where the education began. The first uh, kind of formal service design program was in Cologne in Germany in the early 90s. Um, But I think that itself is actually a reflection of a deeper truth, which is that uh, there are actually more services in, in the kind of social sense in northern Europe than in other parts of the world. So you've got these, you know, these social democratic societies where, you know, uh, citizens are paying kind of half their half their incomes in taxes. There's a, a significant um, uh, 
kind of uh, percentage of the population that's actually a public employee, and the I, the range of services that are actually um, provided by those governments is, in some senses, um, uh, sort of more wide-reaching and, and more complex than in other uh, countries. So uh, you have a lot more opportunities to design for those services. And since it's such a kind of core part of the social fabric, people pay attention to whether they're, they're effective or not. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I have a much better answer yeah. now the next time I ask that question. <laughs> so we, you said that you profile 71 agencies in this report. Um, how should a company go about choosing a partner among these 71 companies? It's a great question. Yeah, my recommendation is to look at the patterns, actually, and to understand if um, for your, uh, your initiative or your project you have a very focused um, service design need, as in you know that you want to improve the conversation between a call center agent and an employee, or you know, you, you, you know that you have some specific training need internally for your employees, then, then in that case it may be appropriate to pick an agency that has, um, it sort of specializes in that pattern and so it doesn't necessarily represent the range of patterns. Um, alternately, if you feel like you want a, a partner who can help you think you know, broadly across your customer experience and really map out the whole landscape and then think about how these different um, channels are sort of orchestrated together effectively and, and indeed what needs to happen inside your organization to make that work, then, uh, then you, would, you would lean more towards um, the providers who exhibit multiple patterns simultaneously. And so the report sort of lays out uh, how to do that. And let's not leave it uh, implied. Let's make it explicit. I think to answer that question as well, Diana, they should, uh, our listeners should become our readers and take a look at <laughs> Leah's uh, new report uh, or updated report, uh, Service Design Agency Overview 2015, that uh, talks about these 71 providers across these five patterns. And I think we'll give a really good sense to listeners of uh, which are maybe the, uh, the providers to put on their short list. So, Leah, thank you so much for joining us again on uh, this week's CX Cast, and listeners, thank you for tuning in again. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's CX Cast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at s-s-t-e-r-n at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality.